Warning. This podcast contains adult language, graphic nudity, and linguistic violence. Listener discretion is advised. While you were daydreaming, we ate all the donuts. Well, there were a few left, but we chucked them at an old man for kicks. Buzzards, I ain't dead yet. All right, stay calm. Remember your training. Dear Homer, I owe you one emergency donut signed Homer. Bastard! He's always one step ahead. I'd sell my soul for a donut. Well, that can be arranged. You're the devil? (laughs) It's always the one you least suspect. Now, many people offer to sell their souls without reflecting upon the grave ramifications. Do you have a donut or not? Coming up. Just sign here. Careful, hot pen. Hmm. Who's that goat-legged fellow? I like the cut of his jib. Uh, Prince of Darkness, sir. He's your 11 (sighs) o'clock. Now remember, the instant you finish it, I own your soul for... Hey, wait. If I don't finish this last bite, you don't get my soul, do you? Uh, technically no, but... I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. You are not smarter than me. I'll see you in hell yet, Homer Simpson. Not likely. <laughs> Hi, um, I just got home from work and got out of my car, and I have heard so much about this, I didn't even know this was actually true, but I just got chased by a clown up into my door of my apartment. Okay. Right before I got to the steps, it ran around the side of the building, and I just ran as fast as I could up into the balcony and shut my door. Like behind the apartment? Yeah, it was behind my building. Did he say anything to you, make any threats, or just chased you? No, it just ran at me. And what's your name? Jenna. Sam. And I know this is a silly question, but can you give me a description? Um, yeah, um, it, it was like a full clown suit. All I saw really was white and red. <laughs> Welcome to OK Talk. I'm Clinton, the Red Dragon, the BHC, the Tyler Howler, impresario of the Hotel Galvez. With me as always, Matt. That's what you get. Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. No, so um, before we start. Yeah. I wanted to put that I meant to put that wahoo in um so did you see that I went to the zoo the other mm-hmm. day yeah had probably well no probably about it 
definitely the time to go. Like we got there about two thirty. This is the Dallas Zoo. Yes. Yeah. We got there about two thirty, and by far had my it was perfect. There's nobody there, and then the animals were all awake mm-hmm. and ready to party, and far and away my most close encounter with apes. Yeah. And are these gorillas or both actually the chimps were pretty active as well. But, um, I was going to show you here. This big dude whose name is Jabu. (laughs) Jabu? Close to Jabu, but I don't know if it's exactly Jabu, but I'm going to call him Jabu because... Not Jabari. No. That name has been retired. But they, uh, I think there are four or five male silverbacks all in the same area. That dude looks serious. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, 20 yards away, probably. Yeah. Well, I had a crazy, crazy moment, and this kind of ties into Devil's Creek. More on Devil's Creek later, but so there were just two gorillas hanging out. One of them was sitting there. They were both eating, and I'm watching them can't believe I at this point I wish I would have had it on video so you could hear this but I've got something that will similarly you can hear this one of them stands up and quickly beats his chest and then walks away mm-hmm. which was the first time that I've heard a chest beat in person and we'll get to this with them but when the people who own Devil's Creek first contacted the Olympic project about what was going on there. One of the first emails that she sent to David was about how she was going out and letting the dogs out, literally. And she heard what sounded like a weird drumming sound. Mm -hmm. And... It was one of the first things that they captured on the recorder, I believe. And this is what it sounded like. Well, what really caught me off guard is at the Dallas Zoo, this is what you hear. That's a gorilla chest beat. Yeah. Now, I had obviously heard this audio from the Devil's Creek property, and it completely stopped me down. The, at the zoo? Yeah, I was yeah. like a kid in the candy store. It's it's the same rhythm and, and everything. It's the, yeah. ex- I mean, to tell you, exactly like that. Yeah. To a T. It has a really, instead of like when we hit our chest and it's like a thud, it's almost like... 
like there's something in their chest area that gives it this like hollow like a cavity or something in there yeah yeah again this is an actual this wasn't recorded at the zoo but this is an actual gorilla chest beat it sounds like knocking on a wood block yeah really really amazing and i also posted a video of the chimpanzee situation Mm -hmm. and put it on our youtube page my favorite band the chimpanzee situation. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little one, and he is totally cock blocking this ape that's trying to get down with. I don't know if it's his mom, you know, because they have the whole like family situation going on. Yeah. But in the video, you can specifically see him do like a hip thrust at the girl. Uh huh. And the baby keeps getting up on the swing and swinging by and like smacking him on the head. And he's getting more and more angry. And she comes over and sits on him reverse cowgirl style. Okay. Like it's about to happen. And the baby monkey causes more and, and it just makes that ape so mad. Like he jumps up onto the rope and grabs the chimp. And it was, it was awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. Highly recommend a late afternoon October midweek go. Yeah. And I could have stayed at the on the gorilla trail the entire time. There's so many little cool areas where you can view them. Yeah. I mean, this big dude, he was asleep at the glass, and then by within an hour, not only was he up, but the other ones were as well. And it was killer watching him i mean i got to see him charge one like don't you even try to come over here again the chest beat thing though it was just that's that's pretty cool yeah incredible and again i mean if you're talking about a weird piece of audio from a location that is you know all we can say is the state of Washington, there is nothing on the planet that should be making this sound. Nothing. Yeah. And it sounds exactly like... <sighs> I mean, obviously that one's recorded closer up, but that just hollow tinny sound. Man. Really awesome. So... The other thing that we... And this would have been a good opportunity to talk about it, but we will later. But it just reminded me of the, was that baboon that's doing the wahoo? Yeah. Which that's a weird piece of audio to, to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to watch too. Like that's, that little ape is creating yeah. that big of a sound. Yeah. Um. But, so, you know, I just thought about that before we got going and wanted to let you know. Also, before we get started. Okay. A really good response to the last episode. I've been... It's cool how many people are digging it and digging into the audio that was captured at the Galvez and hearing different things in it. It feels really cool to have put out something that uh, people are dissecting now and is part of the ghost legend 
lexicon, yeah, so to speak. Literally the lexicon, yeah. as we've added to the language. Yeah. Yeah, I heard from so many different people about different things that they heard inside of there, including Melissa telling me that she felt like she heard Rosario. Mm-hmm. And Rosario, of course, was the... <laughs> He was literally the heavy hand, even though he was his, br- I mean, he was the brother. It was like the two of them ran the show. Yeah. And one of them was the velvet glove because he was the one that was able to smooth over everything. And Rosario was the the force. Yeah. So it definitely made me think maybe, in fact, the quote unquote goon that would be up there would be. Maybe it is. Yeah. Rosario is still hanging around. The wild thing is it tripped Melissa up so much that she was trying to get a hold of Mr. Bobby to let him hear it since he's been working there 50 some odd years. Love to talk to that guy. They cro- they definitely crossed paths. Yeah. And she would later, I think I mentioned it in the episode, so many of the things, it's like conversations that happen off the air, conversations that happen on the air, I'm not sure which, but anyway, he was definitely wigged out by that place, by the boardroom. Really cool. I don't know if she told Davis about the double tap on the back of the head. (laughs) I, I told her to be sure and mention it. Let him know. Yeah. Um, Man, I just, I'd love to get back in there or get up there myself and get some more audio rolling in that place. Maybe bring something else up there. I don't know. Get a hold of some of this ghost equipment. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Or get a night vision camera or something up in there. Yeah, do you think uh do you think your ghost hunting friends would allow us to take that spirit box? Maybe. Yeah, they seem pretty cool. Take the spirit box or the the REM pod, I think that would be kind of fascinating. Which is the is the REM pod the one that may, that scans the radio frequencies? No, that's that's the I guess that's what they call the spirit box uh, or whatever. Uh, the REM pod is a little circular thing that beeps if something breaks the. Oh yeah. Or, and with as much electrical activity that seemed to be going on up there, that thing could be going off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so we were able to. Get the video back from Facebook. Yeah. Of the as second night. I let Facebook know that, in <laughs> fact, Dadis Perry did own the rights to that video <laughs> and signed digitally uh-huh. as Dadis Perry. Is that what it took to get, get that back? Pretty much. It was real quick. Hmm. I mean, I requested that it be put back <clears throat> up, and they were like, unless you think that you own this. <laughs> and, well. I, mean, I wasn't specific, but I own the video, so... <laughs> But, man, I feel like uh, Dale Gribble now, you know, because of the Rusty Shackleford thing. Yeah. Signing stuff off as <laughs> Dadis Perry. I mean, you know, it gets you to do the digital signature stuff. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. You are he. Clearly. <clears throat> clearly. clearly. Even though some people are upset about it. Yeah. Will the real Dadis Perry please stand up? <laughs> but yeah, that's been super cool. Just, I mean, 
cool to see not only people saying, oh, I think I hear this or that, but there's people saying, wow, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, that's some heavy stuff coming out. And again, we, it's, there is more, you know, it's that yeah. we really kind of just cherry picked some of the stuff to play. And you're right. I also, hearing from friends of mine, colleagues that don't necessarily listen to every show, just that, I mean, like I told you today, my work colleague Neil saying, I had a physical reaction to listening to that audio. Yeah. I'm like, good, because I had a physical reaction (laughs) when I captured that audio. The crazy thing is, and we looked at it kind of at the end of that episode when I was showing you that video, but I was showing somebody else the light situation in there. You can definitely tell that there's something going on because, again, you can see the it looks like the camera is trying to focus, but the camera's in focus because you can see the sides of the walls clearly. Yeah. But, I mean, as I'm saying that the light intensity was going up, it turns from you're looking at a light bulb to almost like the sun. Yeah, it's like blown out. Yeah. I mean, clearly you're, you're, you've got the camera pointed up there. There's something going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not the – it would be one thing if the camera was trying to focus, you know, and a lot of times when you're moving stuff around, taking video or whatever, it'll do that. But it but it wasn't because, again, you can see clearly the lines yeah. in, in the room are not – I mean, everything's in focus, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Except the lights. But also – in talking about that episode, we need to say thanks to Dan, who is a longtime listener to the show, lives over in the UK. And I remember when I got an email from him because I was in Austin and I was sitting in the hotel and an email popped up that said, dude, Thanks to you, now I'm trying to work in the term peaked <laughs> into every conversation that I'm coming through. <laughs> that's good. That's a good that's a good thing to try to do. Right. Yeah. Right. It's Please, awesome. Everyone do more of that. It's awesome to see. Or and, black deal. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan, you know, we've had a few conversations more than a few via email, just checking in with each other, listens to the show, riding in on the train, and he swooped in with a, why didn't you tell me you guys needed a logo? Uh-huh. That's what I do around here. And I'll ask him, too, if he does stuff that people could get a hold of him if they need to, but... I, I'm here to testify that he does some pretty solid work. It's awesome. I'm real, real happy. Not that I didn't like our lo-fi <laughs> logo to begin with. The one that was created yeah. right over there <laughs> with scissors and construction paper. <laughs> but it is cool to see that 
that concept, you know, done professionally. Come to life. Yeah. Um, really cool. Yeah, that that dude could not be cooler to to talk to and work with, and we bounced some ideas back to him, and um, I think what we've ended up with is pretty awesome and can stand the test of time as far as, you know, this show going forward. Right. So thanks again, Dan. Yeah. And goes to show, you know, we can mention something and somebody we got, immediately step up. Yeah, we got some pretty cool listeners out there. We do. I'm looking at that logo right now. We do. So, very happy with the heavy hand of the velvet glove. And um, if you haven't heard it yet, somehow go go back and listen to it. It's a little long. Uh, it's a little. It's one of our longer episodes, I guess. But I I say the whole trip is worth it. Well, and in saying that, there are people that listen to our show that have not listened to it because there are people who do not like ghost stuff, <laughs> and it is creepy. Yeah, and it's October, so if you want to weird yourself out, that's a good thing to listen to. Yeah, you know, pull it up on your Apple TV. As I was reminded today, hey, yeah. you know, I could listen to this on Apple TV. Get some surround sound going on that. Yeah, if you have Apple TV and you just look through the little applications there, there's just like with an iPhone, a section that says podcasts, and you can pull those up, pump them through the speakers, Mm -hmm. check it out. Or put on some headphones and put it directly in your ears so you can hear the spirits speaking through the white noise of electronics. Yes, yes, yes. And... Also, shout out to the Sopranos. I was getting some questions as to what exactly, even though I discuss it later in the episode, we talk about the Polly Walnuts thing. Yeah. Sonny? That was, in fact, an episode of the Sopranos where I think the title of that episode is 3 a.m. And Polly has to go to Psychic quickly learns that he's not alone, that he is dragging most of the people that he's put down along with him. And I love how he says, and that's what this is, you know, satanic black magic. give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear, for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. (laughs) And while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that 
Never! Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, is that it? Why not? I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. I've nurtured every sensation man has been inspired to have. I cared about what he wanted, and I never judged him. Why? Because I never rejected him. In spite of all his imperfections, I'm a fan of man! I'm a humanist. Maybe the last humanist. Who, in their right mind, Kevin, could possibly deny the 20th century was entirely mine? All of it, Kevin! All of it. Mine. I'm peeking. It's my time now. It's our time. Speaking of satanic black magic, mm. don't know why this popped into my head or into my existence today, but I started doing a little reading on the the Devil's Bible. Yes, I'm familiar with this. And it was just a year ago or so that the National Geographic channel ran that. Is that who ran that? I couldn't remember which yeah, because channel had that. I think it ran this this is when they run stuff like that. In October. Yeah. And in fact I feel like a small portion of that was run on that monster show about Satan. Maybe. I'm not sure. You know how sometimes they'll take little clips from those shows and... Yeah, repackage it? Yes, include it. The Devil's Bible. I just remember that voiceover guy. The Devil's Bible. The Devil's Bible. (laughs) Look out for it. But if you don't know about the Devil's Bible, it's also known as the Codex Gigas. 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 I think that might be correct. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But it's believed to be the largest surviving medieval manuscript in the world. Contained within its pages are numerous Christian writings, including a complete version of the Vulgate Bible, 
which later became the Catholic Church's official Latin translation. The book's most intriguing entry, however, is a menacing full-page color illustration of the devil. It's this drawing that earned the text its nickname, The Devil's Bible, and convinced many that its pages are cursed by the sinister power of the Dark Prince. Historians believe that the text originated in the Benedictine monastery of Podolice in the Czech Republic in the early 13th century. It measures 36 inches tall by 20 inches wide, nearly 9 inches thick, requiring two people to lift all 165 pounds of its leather binding. That's a big book. Again, that's why its <laughs> Latin translation means giant book. Very fitting. The Codex is believed to be created by Herman the Recluse in the monastery. The monastery was destroyed in the 15th century during the Hussite Revolution. And records in the Codex end in the year 1229. The Codex was later pledged to the Cistercians and then bought by the Benedictine Monastery in Brenolf. From 1477 to 1593, it was kept in the library of the monastery in Brumolf until it was later taken to Prague in 1594 to form a part of the collections of the Emperor Rudolf II. At the end of the Thirty Years' War in 1648, however, the entire collection was taken as war booty by the Swedish army. From 1649 to 2007, the manuscript was kept in the Swedish Royal Library in Stockholm. The site of its creation is marked by a maquette or marker in the town museum of Krast. On Friday, May 7th, 1697, a fierce fire broke out at the Royal Castle in Stockholm and the Royal Library suffered. The Codex was rescued from the flames by being thrown out of a window. It apparently injured a bystander, which of course, at 160 some odd pounds, yeah. I guess, if you were just standing looking at the window, <laughs> watching the fire, got struck by the book and several of its leaves fluttered away and are still missing today uh, what is suspected to be 12 pages the interesting thing is that those missing pages are believed to be the devil's prayer and here's the legend of Herman the recluse he was a monk and he broke his monastic vows and he was sentenced to be walled up alive in order to avoid his harsh penalty he promised to create in one day a book to glorify the monastery forever, including in its pages all human knowledge. I'm sure the monks there were like, sure, we'll take that deal. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. We'll agree to that plea. But as midnight approached, the doomed monk knew he would be unable to complete his task. So he bowed in prayer and begged for help. You think he asked the Lord for help? His Lord and Savior? No. Mm -mm. Instead of addressing God, however, he turned his eyes downward to the fallen angel Lucifer, offering his soul in exchange for a finished book. The dark prince heard the monk's prayer and gladly accepted his offer. With a snap of his clawed fingers, a massive text was done. The monk 
or some say the devil, added the full-page self-portrait. In fact, it is believed that that could, in fact, be Lucifer's signature on the book. Hmm. Also included on the devil's Bible on the following pages, or after the picture, are detailed instructions for exorcism of demons from people and from objects. There's also two magic spells contained within the book, both with specific instructions on how to identify and catch a thief. Hmm. Possession by demons, of course, was commonly thought during medieval times to be the cause of many maladies. So, also, I thought this was really interesting, contained within the Bible. It's an encyclopedia of monks and monasteries. It was created by St. Isidore, who, more than a millennium after he lived, is regarded as the patron saint of the internet. Hmm. That's kind of fascinating. Because his etymology was an attempt to record all universal knowledge of his time, Hmm. much like the internet. So there really is this patron saint of the internet, (laughs) and it is not Al Gore, much to his chagrin. Right. It goes back a little farther than that. The interesting thing is the handwriting analysis shows that it's consistent with the belief that it was one scribe who did it. And if you took all of the illustrations out and everything and just took just the writing, would take five straight years to complete. And, of course, quote-unquote science says that the book more than likely took over 20 years, some say 30 years to complete. But, all this aside, it really got me thinking about the whole idea of selling your soul to complete a task, as I did earlier today, knowing that I needed to release a (laughs) podcast. That seems like a a trivial thing to sell your soul for. The podcast? (laughs) (laughs) To release one? I'm committed to the game, buddy. There you go. And... What are your thoughts about uh, who comes to mind when you think of the selling of soul? I mean, the I suppose the most famous or the most classic story is the story of Robert Johnson and the Crossroads. if we could get into this building where he did the recording yeah they saved it it's in deep ellum yeah oh man get in there and do some recording it's not a bad idea do you know which one it is i don't know 
I've definitely seen the picture, and there is a marker. Yeah. Now the the crossroads is in is it in Mississippi? Where that the the crossroads yeah. supposed to be? I feel like it's outside of Memphis, or that's legend because he is, of course, the Delta mm-hmm. blues artist uh, Robert Johnson. Died at the age of 27, as so many other great musicians. Oh, he's part of the 27 Club. He is. I did not remember that. A great American blues musician ranked fifth on Rolling Stone's list of 100 great guitarists of all time. The legend goes that he wanted to be a great, so great at guitar, he was instructed to head to a crossroads. And there he met the devil who turned his guitar, who tuned his guitar for him, giving him mastery over the instrument. Johnson did little to dispel the rumors, even encouraging them by alluding to the fact that he had, indeed, made a deal with the Prince of Darkness. He produced six records before his death at the age of 27. His death is controversial, as the most common claim was that he was caught flirting with a married woman, and she'd offered him some whiskey, which was believed to be poisoned by her husband. He's buried in an unmarked grave, the location of which is still under debate. That's always a kind of an interesting take on people who are said to have sold their soul to the devil. That their fate doesn't end up, their glory. Right. And while he is highly regarded as a musician, he's, again, no longer, we can't even locate his his grave. Right, yeah, and may not have necessarily but he matthew is not the only musician said to have sold his soul to the devil mhm mhm who else There's, do we have well we also have nicolo panganini he was born in 1782 one of the greatest violin virtuosos to have ever lived. He learned to play the mandolin at the age of five and was composing by seven. He started playing publicly at age 12, but by 16 he had a breakdown and disappeared into alcoholism. He sobered up and by 22 he was the first music superstar. He was capable of playing three octaves across four strings in one hand span a feat that is nearly impossible even by today's today's standards. He composed 24 caprices at 23, and for years no other violinist was capable of playing much of his music. His playing of tender passages is said to have brought audiences to tears. One of his famous pieces, this one, which is called Le Strain, which translates to the witch's dance. Audience believes that Excuse me. Audience believed that Pangini made a pact with the devil to perform supernatural displays of technique. Some patrons even claimed to see the devil helping him during his performances. Mm. It's because of this he was denied his last rites in the church and was widely rumored to be, to have been associated with the devil. His body was denied a Catholic burial in Genoa took four years and an appeal to the Pope before the body was even allowed to be transported to his home. 
but he was still not buried. He was finally put to rest in 1876 in a cemetery in Parma. Think about that. You're so good at what you do. Yeah, people think there must be some other reason for it. Yeah, and Anne Rice actually used the legend of Panginini and one of her vampires in her later novel was a violinist. Yeah. Who, oddly enough, was named Nicholas. And it's so funny because I assume that this has been made into a movie because it's so vivid in my head from reading the books. But he was, after he was given the dark gift, as it were, made into a vampire and he would still play con- concerts. And his supernatural ability creeped the audiences out that watched him Mm. and instead of standing up and applauding they walked away thinking oh my oh my not the only other musician though that was said to seems to be put on a lot of musicians that they were dealing with the devil yeah in fact we have another Italian composer and violinist that meets that meets this criteria. His name is Giuseppe Tartini. Mm-hmm. He was an Italian composer and violinist, one of the most influential musical composers, having written over 400 works. Unlike most of his contemporaries, he wrote no church music or operas. He focused mostly on the work of the violin in Concerta and Sonata. His most famous piece is called The Devil's... This cracks me up. The Devil's Trill. (laughs) To use a term of the time, Mm -hmm. he was so trill. (laughs) The story behind The Devil's Trill starts with a dream. Tartini allegedly told the French astronomer, Jerome Lalande, that he dreamed that the devil appeared to him and asked to be his servant. At the end of their lessons, Tartini handed the devil his violin to test his skill. The devil immediately began to play with such virtuosity that Tartini felt his breath taken away. When the composer awoke, he immediately jotted down the sonata, desperately trying to recapture what he had heard in the dream. And despite the sonata being successful with his audiences, Tartini lamented that the piece was still far from what he had heard. What he had written was, in his own words, quote, so inferior to what I had heard that if I could have subsisted on other means, I would have broken my violin and abandoned music forever. The devil went down to Tardini. I mean, I'm hearing that the devil is a fan of the stringed instruments. It seems. True. You can almost hear how difficult it sounds this this sounds it would be to perform. Mm-hmm. This is the Devil's Trill performed by Isaac Perlman.
some good music for a Halloween party. Seriously, talk yeah. about something evoking a feeling. Yeah, I like that. I thought it was really interesting, too, though, in looking up some folks who had, quote-unquote, sold their soul to the devil, how many religious figures fell under this same yeah. category. Yeah, well, I guess it's sort of... Um... Uh, it's maybe a, a micro version of the devil's story himself, itself, you know, the, the fallen angel, you know, the fallen religious figure. I suppose if you're the devil, that's your, that's a big prize for you, right? To get a, a religious figure to sell their soul to you. True. I mean, that's basically the story of Job mm -hmm. trying to tempt the most virtuous of us. Right. But uh, beginning of this list, Pope Sylvester II was one of the most learned men of his time. Well-versed in mathematics, astronomy, and mechanics, he's credited with inventing the hydraulic organ, the pendulum clock, and introducing Arabic numerals to Western Europe. Mm. He also wrote books on mathematics, natural science, music, theology, and philosophy. Sylvester II was the first French pope and certainly the most significant in the 10th century. And upon his death, rumors began to fly that his great intelligence and consequently his inventive genius was the result of a pact with the devil. It's most likely due to his regular contact with great scientific minds in the Arab world and his brave attempts throughout the church. Again, a dude who kind of getting blamed for being a genius. Right. That really doesn't surprise me. <laughs> ah, you got the devil on you. Yeah, <laughs> you so ain't so smart. You ain't so smart. Um, Let's see. Also, Father Urbain Grandier. He was a French Catholic priest who was burned at the stake after being convicted of witchcraft. He served as priest in the Church of St. Croix in, excuse me, in Loudon, in the Roman Catholic Diocese of Poitiers. Ignoring his vow of priestly celibacy, he is known to have had sexual relationship with a number of women and to have acquired a reputation as a philanderer. In 1632, a group of nuns for the from the local Ursuline convent accused him of having bewitched them, sending the demon Asmodee among others, to commit evil and impudent acts upon them. At his trial, the judges, after torturing the priest, introduced documents purportedly signed by Grandier and several demons as evidence that he had made a diabolical pact. They were, <laughs> they were written backwards in Latin mm. and even included the signature of Satan himself. The text of the pact reads as follows. All right, you ready for this? Okay. This was written backwards in Latin. Yeah. We, the influential Lucifer, the young Satan, Beelzebub, Leviathan, Elamini, and Astaroth, together with others, have today accepted the covenant pact of Urbain Grandier, who is ours. And him do we promise the love of women, the flower of virgins, the respect of monarchs, honors, lusts, 
and powers. He will go whoring three days long. The carousel will be dear to him. He offers us once in the year a seal of blood. Under the feet he will trample the holy things in the church, and he will ask us many questions. With this pact he will live twenty years happy on the earth of men, and will later join us to sin against God. Bound in hell in the council of demons, Lucifer, Beelzebub, Satan, Asroth, Leviathan, Elamini, the seals place the devil, the master, and the demons, princes of the Lord, Balbareth, writer. I'd love to see a picture of the Satan's signature. I got it. You have it, you have it in there? Mm-hmm. We'll have to include it in the show notes. <laughs> How about that, huh? Whoring for three days. He will go on whoring for three days. <laughs> Apparently he had been do- doing some whoring. <laughs> he will continue. No, you in here for hoeing. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Some deal, yeah. I mean, I've heard of a lot of trials of witchcraft and wizardry that occurred where basically they're only testimony was that of a slave who was just hoping to get out of the thing alive. Sure. Or young girls, but yeah, they were like, oh, really? You're innocent. Oh, yeah? Uh, You're innocent, really? Bam! Here's this document. I mean, it's weird to think about. It's weird to think about either way, right? I mean, if it's legitimate, that's crazy. But if it's not, then you have someone who is sitting in a room writing backwards in Latin in order to frame this guy. Right. Yeah, which seems almost <laughs> as bad as... <laughs> yeah, defo- I mean, that's the work of the devil itself, right? Taking the flower of virgins and various and sundry nuns. <laughs> they were all... I like how they included a time limit. He'll live for another 20 years. Yeah, well... It's interesting because most of the people, they don't make it. In fact, one of the other most well-known is Johann Faust, who we've discussed on this program before. Mm-hmm. Dr. Johann Gorge Faust was an alchemist, astrologer, and magician of the German Renaissance. His life became the nucleus of the popular tale of Dr. Faust, which, of course, was written by Guter. I mean, that's when we started to... uh, (laughs) Some discussion over that? Mm Mm-hmm. If that was, in fact, the pronunciation, we should have had one of our many, many computer slaves (laughs) check it out. Say that for us. Mm Mm-hmm. Legend has it that Faust wanted a life of pleasure and, having been involved with the occult, learned how to summon the devil. Having done so, he made a deal with him for his soul in return for 24 years of service. Hmm. Unfortunately, after 16 years, he quite regretted his deal and withdrew it. And do you know what happened to him? Not good things. As shown in the play... And the book, he was murdered by the devil quite viciously. Mm-hmm. Also, one more religious figure rounds out our 
discussion of those who have sold their soul. And that would be St. Theophilus the Penitent or Theophilus of Adana, who died in 538. He was a cleric in the 6th century church who is said to have made a deal with the devil to gain ecclesiastical positions. His story is significant as it is the oldest story of a pact with the devil. Theophilus was the archdeacon of Adana, which is part of modern Turkey. He was unanimously elected to be a bishop, but turned down the position out of humility. Another man was elected in his stead. When the new bishop unjustly deprived Theophilus of his position as archdeacon, Theophilus regretted his humility and sought out a wizard to help him contact Satan. In exchange for his aid, Satan demanded that Theophilus renounce Christ and the Virgin Mary in a contract signed with his own blood. Theophilus complied, and the devil gave him the position as bishop. Years later, fearful for his soul, Theophilus repented and prayed to the Virgin for forgiveness. After 40 days of fasting, the Virgin appeared to him and verbally chastised him. Theophilus begged forgiveness, and Mary promised to intercede with God. He then fasted a further 30 days, at which time Mary appeared to him again and granted him absolution. However, Satan was unwilling to relinquish his hold over Theophilus, and it was a further three days before Theophilus awoke to find the damning contract on his chest. He then took the contract to the legitimate bishop and confessed all that he had done. The bishop burned the, th- burned the document and Theophilus expired. Mm. It says he died out of sheer joy to be free from the burden of his contract. That's a creepy one, too. Yeah, it is. Have you... uh, See how many people we could piss off. Have you watched that Ancient Aliens on Satan? Yes. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting take. Some ancient aliens scholars believe. Isn't it possible that (laughs) Satan was really the good guy? Isn't it possible? (laughs) I'm fascinated by the idea that they were just pissed. That they were pissed at the creation of humanity. Yeah. They thought that we were a bastardization and struck out. Yeah. There are, I mean, there are a lot of myths that that follow that same format. And they usually lead to you burning forever in hell. <laughs> right. Matthew. Right. I mean, I guess the Prometheus myth probably comes to mind yes granting humans fire and being punished for it so there's an ancient alien theory for you (laughs) yeah exactly i mean in fact the production house that makes ancient aliens is prometheus and their symbol (laughs) is fire (laughs) there you go there you go connect the dots follow the money well isn't it fascinating that by its own accord that all that Lucifer did was 
enchant humans to knowledge. Right. Again, the assertion that knowledge is somehow bad. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting that that theory weaves its way into people who oppose, uh, supposedly sold their soul to the devil. Right. Anyone who is who has become who has reached a a zenith, some extreme level of knowledge or talent. They've got to be sleeping with the devil to know that much. Right. But, you know, if you think about the theory of them all being aliens, it would stand to reason that there would be some that were probably not happy with the way that things shook out. Yeah. And the interesting thing is God wasn't happy either. Eventually, he was so disgusted with the whole thing that he flooded the place. Yeah. Seemingly putting Lucifer in the right. Do you think he just stood there and was like, I told you, look at them. (laughs) They're having sex with giant Bigfoots and they're creating demon babies. And there's all kinds of anal sex going on. To poison the water of the Jordan River. Kill the Goliath, baby. <laughs> there's no mention of Bigfoot in the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting spin. Yeah. Because oh. for a guy who, I say this, as a guy who has been put as the You know, the blasphemer. And it's almost as if since the devil tempts us to sin, it's almost like we're always saying it's his fault. Yeah. It's a really easy way for humanity to put it off on the devil or demons. Yeah. It's not your fault. Which, I mean, if you go in that room right there, (laughs) right there, there is a dude that is on the radio Right there. That is telling people, oh, you got a swollen ankle. You just need to tell it to get out. (laughs) You need to take Jesus's name and tell the swollen ankle to go. Tell the swollen ankle demon. Put your hand hand up to the TV screen. (laughs) I feel that there is someone out there with a gallbladder that's acting up. Tell that demon to go. Send me all your money. Make a pledge of faith via money Mm. and the TV screen. And your gallbladder will be better. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 questioning, right? It's questioning authority. That's that's the sin. And we know that you are not supposed to question authority, <laughs> right? Well, I. <laughs> it's just interesting to think that one being like. You guys don't really know what's happening. All you need to do is have a little knowledge of yourself. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the garden, we were naked and perfect and stupid, apparently, completely <laughs> dumb. So dumb that we didn't know we were naked. Ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Just one of the animals. I guess you could say that, like that. knowledge, quote-unquote, that was given, gave rise to jealousy. You think of the Cain and Abel story. 
But at the same time, I don't think that's fair because if you're just looking at two people, Adam and Eve, who again are stupid and naked and apparently by themselves, according, what do they have to be jealous about? Right. So So it's not until the introduction of their children who then all of a sudden have wives and kids themselves, which let's not even get into how that happened. Don't worry about that, people. No, I want to figuratively discuss <laughs> this situation. But it is interesting that uh Well, you know, I guess it's the it's the double edged sword, you know, the the knowledge that allowed us to elevate ourselves beyond a mere animal and go on to accomplish what we've accomplished as a as a species. Uh, is also the knowledge that gives rise to rise to greed and jealousy and everything else that comes along with it. There is certainly truth in ignorance is bliss in that saying. It, yeah. Because there are many things that, again, if we would would rather not know because it's easier on our mind. Yeah. It's easier on us as people to not have to contemplate the horrors of the Sudan. Right. And Sally Struthers brought that into our television. <laughs> How dare she? How dare she? Perhaps she sold her soul to the devil. <laughs> Screw you, Sally Struthers, as Cartman once said. But it's true. Um, it's one of the reasons why our psychology lends us to look away from all sorts of wrongdoing. Because it's easier for us to not have to contemplate, especially the question of why. Yeah. Why does that occur? It is odd. There again, the devil gets blamed for why do the bad things that happen in the world happen? It's the devil's fault, really. I guess you could say that it is because maybe by having knowledge that things are bad. Yeah. Now we know, so maybe I do see how he gets blamed for everything. Right, yeah. Or how that knowledge set those things in motion to begin with. It's really fascinating, and you can spend six months taking a college course on Job alone because I have done it, but the the most fascinating thing about that is if Satan is so beneath God, how are they even having that conversation? You know, it is posed that Satan's just like strolling along with the Lord one day, looking down upon creation. Mm-hmm. Eh, what do you think about my creation, Satan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lord's kind of showing off. Satan's like, <laughs> it's because he's rich, living so big. That's why he loves you. I don't know why I made Lucifer to have that accent. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Please don't report me. Well, I mean, there's a, there's an aspect to that story of, yeah, of the Lord showing off and saying, oh, you may be beneath me, but I'm going to come on up here and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Kill his wives and rape his children. <laughs> take all of his stuff. I mean, Joe's like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? Which, again, that fact that just to show off, you would do that to me, that kind of ticks me off. Right. 
I don't like our overlords, our chimpanzee overlords. I'm not a fan of any of them. I think it's interesting, though, that the ancient tales of the genie, there is no word for demon in that language. It's jinn, or Mm -hmm. there's no concept of... In the Arabic world, if you're if a place is haunted, the reason that it's haunted is they would say that there's a jinn in there. Yeah. That it's the physical manifestation of the spirit somehow supernatural in nature. Yeah. We could we I was gonna say we could, but we probably should do a more in depth episode on just the jinn. Yes. Fascinating myth. It is. Yeah. Because it's not exactly a demon. Right. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Right. Despite what the Wishmaster might make you want to believe. (laughs) Here we go with the Wishmaster thing again. (laughs) I was thinking contemplation of the demonic as I was watching the beginning of The Exorcist last night. Only to shudder in fear and turn it off quickly. These, I mean, we had a conversation that we wanted to do a little episode about possessions. Mm -hmm. Again, it is odd that after the devil's portrait and signature, there's immediately text on how to get rid of him from invading your body mm-hmm. and taking over your body. I don't like when her head turns around. I don't <laughs> like green vomit, and I certainly don't like your mother's disgusting. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of disturbing imagery in that film. No, thank you. Yeah. But I can't watch that without simultaneously thinking of Richard Pryor. <laughs> which is probably the beginning of my introduction to the, what'd you say about my mama? (laughs) As he decides to take the devil on at that point. (laughs) Your mother sews smelly socks. Um, Just to circle back, the, uh, the legend says that the crossroads is either the crossroads of highways 49 and 61 outside of Clarksdale in Mississippi Mm-hmm. or the crossroads of highways 8 and 1 outside of Rosedale, Mississippi, but they are both located in Mississippi. Okay. A blues man apparently had a tale of meeting Robert Johnson. That's right, I remember. The ghost of Robert Johnson outside of Rosedale and had a conversation with him. What a badass that guy was. Even... The song Kind-Hearted Woman that I couldn't get out of my head earlier that I was playing for you. Mm-hmm. The, the lyrics that she's a kind-hearted woman, she does evil all the time. What? It, what? Yeah. I got a kind-hearted woman. Anything that's worth for me. I got a kind-hearted woman. 
they will not let him be. need to go check out the building I mean, yeah. it was a big deal a few years ago when they saved it yeah because it was part of the deep ellum renovation project it's located i want to say it's just down there by uh sons of herman which by the way you know sons of herman hall we talked about that that place is mad haunted oh yeah we talked about that and the lady that runs that joint she was real sweet This article from 2006, the discovery of a long-lost letter offers rare insight into Robert Johnson's life and confirms that the bluesman recorded at a downtown Dallas building. Blues fans have long thought Johnson recorded 13 songs in 1937 in a building two blocks east of Dallas City Hall. The building was home to Brunswick Records at the time, but there was no known documentation to confirm where the recordings took place. That was until San Diego blues enthusiast Tom Jacobson tracked down a 1961 letter unlocking the mystery. In the letter, the producer of the recordings, Don Law, wrote that the session took place in a makeshift studio at the Brunswick Records office, a three-story building now owned by a drink distribution company. Johnson died 18 months after the recordings at the age of 27, but his music lived on and was hugely influential in the 1960s such musicians as Bob Dylan, the Rolling Stones, and Led Zeppelin. It's an incredible document. It's an important piece of Americana and about a musical genius. Jacobson donated the letter to the Library of Congress in December. It also includes information about other Johnson tales, such as the night in San Antonio that he asked law for money to pay a prostitute and how he was so secretive about his guitar technique that he would face the wall while playing when other musicians were present. That's crazy. Forbidden donut. Well, well, finishing something? You're wide behind won't save you this time. Hey, Bart. Hey. Wait, doesn't my father have the right to a fair trial? Oh, you Americans with your due process and fair trials. <laughs> this is always so much easier in Mexico. All right, very well. We'll have the trial tomorrow at the stroke of midnight. Till then, you're going to spend the day in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that wasn't so bad. Huh? Oh, oh, ah, oh, oh! So you like donuts, eh? Uh-huh. Well, have all the donuts in the world! <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
I don't understand it. James Coco went mad in 15 minutes. Mr. Simpson, don't you worry. I watched Matlock in a bar last night. The sound wasn't on, but I think I got the gist of it. Hear ye, hear ye. The Court of Infernal Affairs is now in session. Very well. I forgot to tell you when we were talking about the episode last week. Sitting right in there. Yeah. I'm editing. And you know how we had to split the episode in two. Right? Right. So at the end of the first portion of that, is right when I'm talking about the lights in the boardroom. And I'm putting the electrical storm audio into the podcast and all of a sudden, the lights go out. Not in that room, but in the hallway. And in that hallway over there, and in the lobby, and then they come back on. Hmm. And then they go out. And then they come back on, and they go out, and then they come back on. And my heart nearly stopped. <laughs> I can imagine. That's... I, I was convinced that someone was here messing I... with me. Yeah, and I've never seen these lights. Well, do these anything lights of... can't turn out. The, these are like security lights. Yeah, you cannot turn out the lights in any of these rooms. Yeah. Notice. Right. There's obviously a light switch right there that we can flick on and have more light so, in here. So this light went out too? No, this one and that one did not. Oh, okay. I'm sitting in there. Yeah. But no, that light didn't go out. This light didn't go out. Hallway, lobby. So I get up. So then it wasn't like a power. Well, so I get up, I pull my camera out, my phone, and there's seven minutes of me walking around here on the Facebook. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I did was walk over there and walk to the window and look, and it looked like the entire block was out. And I, you can't even see the building over here, this Navy building that's next to us. Yeah. Navy, as in not the color, but the people that are in there. And so I walk downstairs and I walk out and they must, I mean, the whole building is on a generator. So, well, the first thing I did when I pulled my phone out, I walked in there and made sure everything was on. You know, we didn't miss a beat. Yeah. Programming didn't. Unlike the generator that Brett would create. <laughs> but I went outside. Brett. And it's a great portion of the video because I turn, I see this like flickering of a light and it's a light on one of those wall sconces on the outside of the building trying to come back on. And I'm like, oh. But I pan and, you know, you can see how palatial the floor to ceiling yeah. Down out here, you know, where you can see the lobby, the big lobby entryway. And I pan, and you can see that the lights are on. And then as I'm coming back like this, they flick off. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I 
turn and look at it and they come back on and it's just shocking. But yeah. I was the only person in the building, the only one. There's only a few moments a day when there's one person in here and it's this time. Yeah. The rest of the time there's someone downstairs or at one of the local stations. But man, oh man, it gave me quite a scare. <laughs> Right when I was talking about the electrical storm, and in fact, Sean, our boy over in Australia in Melbourne, was like, please tell me this happened when you were editing the podcast. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. So weird. In fact, it did. Yeah. Jeez. So we have one other thing that we wanted to talk about today, and um, that's something like this. Franklin, please fire an EMS. Hi, um... I just got home from work and got out of my car, and I have heard so much about this, I didn't even know this was actually true, but I just got chased by a clown up into my door of my apartment. Okay. Where do you live? Where was the last place you saw it? Um, I, well, we live, it's kind of backed up into like a privacy fence, so I live up a balcony, and right before I got to the steps, it ran around the side of the building, and I just ran as fast as I could up into the balcony and shut my door. Like behind the apartments? Yeah, it was behind my building. Um, which apartment do you live in? Um, apartment 5, and we don't have a number on our door, but it's the glass, like, French doors at the top. Did he say anything to you, make any threats, or just chased you? No, just ran at me. And what's your name? Jenna. Sam. And I know this is a silly question, but can you give me a description? Um, yeah, um, it, it was like a full clown suit. All I saw really was white and red, um, and he, it wasn't like a, it, it was like a plastic mask or like a, you know, like a all over, like mm -hmm. full mask around his head. Okay. It wasn't like a wig or anything like that. It was all one piece. All right. Well, send somebody out in the area, okay? Do you want to see an officer or you just want us to see if we can find him? Uh, yeah, maybe just check the area. Okay. We will. Okay. Thank you. Why is this the thing that is <laughs> taking over the nation? You had to know. What was it, a couple of months ago? Yeah, in South Carolina. The reports of and people, clowns in the in the woods, right? That was that was how it started? And we even were talking about how it was part of a, the promotional campaign for right, the remaking yeah. of It. Yeah. Or that, no, not It, but the Rob Zombie has some crazy clown movie yeah, coming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And that it had to be a promotional stunt. Really I'm, didn't hit me until I saw that picture from the woman's backyard in Plano the other night. And it was, she had just posted it. Right, it's in the dark. Again, it looks like she's taking a Bigfoot photograph as the <laughs> clown is moving away from her, looking over his shoulder. Right. She says that was in her backyard, right? Yes. I mean, you had to know when it, when that when that one story blew up that this was going to become a thing and good Lord, has it become a thing? So this was today. Which story or, is this? This would have been from yesterday. Fort Wayne. Oh, is this the one that was shot? 
They say that a white SUV pulled up alongside a clown. The man was driving. He got out of the car and just fired several shots and took off. So this was a clown that was standing along the side of the road? I just think it's crazy. People better take those clown masks off before the coroner does. (laughs) But of course, that was my initial thought to the... Oh, hell no, in my backyard with a clown. Yeah. you. I mean, come on, people. Have a little sense. I mean, there was a, there was a story I saw, I think it was in Redding, Pennsylvania, where a kid, I, I mean, he, he unfortunately died. He was six, 16, I think, uh, having gotten into a fight with a guy in a clown mask and was stabbed. And I mean, who knows if it has anything to do with with all this business? But uh, it, I guess there is some connection. Clowns making threats against schools. Yeah, uh, contacting the kids online. Right. Yeah, sending them Facebook messages and saying they're going to come kidnap them. Funniest thing about. You know, you know it's serious when Rolling Stone and Vice both did a story about it this week. And in the Rolling Stone article, Lauren Coleman is mentioned, <laughs> which is just hilarious because of a string of phantom clown sightings in the 70s. Yeah. Well, I what's what's interesting is I I was reading some of his interview with I don't know, it might have been with Vice. Um or I don't. I guess maybe I don't remember which outlet it was with, but uh, he was mentioning that similar things had happened during the last two presidential elections as well. Really, there have been clown sightings. Clown sightings seem to sp- spike. <laughs> what a what a bizarre thing to have pop up. I know some sort of weird shared consciousness or something like that. And it's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's just getting so much coverage that, uh, you know, I mean, it's just people being idiots and copycatting each other. Oh, Jesus, that scared me. It scared me, too. I can't stand this automatic start on this thing. Uh, But the weird thing was I was reading his, his account of, I think it was 81 when there was another rash of the phantom clowns and these stories were not going national. They were, they were local, but it was happening in a lot of different places. So it was some sort of strange confluence of similar ideas all occurring in the, around the same. Now, you know, Lauren doesn't, he doesn't attribute it to anything supernatural, but it is odd. So this looks like even now, we could purchase this online. Have you seen these? Good Lord, forget that. It looks in the window? Yes. Well, so you didn't hear the... the... Okay, so you well, see that... That's creepy. You... <laughs> so, let's see, this came out just the other day. This is from the Washington Post. With its leering eyes, furrowed brow, and hands cupped around a pockmarked face, there's no mistaking what the scary peeper creeper 
is meant to imitate <laughs> the head of a peeping Tom looking in through a window. Perfect for scaring friends and family during Halloween or any other time of the year. Promises a description for the product on Home Depot's website. Realistic face looks just like a real man is peering through the window at you. <laughs> for at least one Toronto area woman, though, it was too realistic. Brianne Hunt-Wells told CBC Radio that she was unnerved after spotting the Halloween decoration at a Home Depot in Markham, Ontario, a suburb of Ontario. What? A suburb of Toronto. <laughs> I fail to see the humor in it, eh? It makes light of a very serious crime. Voyeurism is a crime in Canada, eh? The mother of two told the radio program that the decorations seemed to display to downplay voyeurism, which can often lead to more serious offenses, such as sexual assault or rape. I would say people that, to say that it's just a joke, there are a lot of things in our society that have just been a joke over time, eh? Radical jokes, racial jokes, cultural jokes. It just takes some talking and thinking to realize that maybe we need to be more sensitive, that people that commit this crime, they're not all harmless, okay? All right? Home Depot issued a statement. We agree that this is not in line with our core values, and when we heard, took immediate action and are currently in the process of removing this product from our assortment. When we heard. When we heard these were in our stores. We've reached out to advise the customer of our actions and apologize, and we're sorry for any offense that we may have caused. Give me one of those. So, <laughs> I find it interesting. Again, the name of the thing is the Scary Peeper. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a company called scary peeper that created this mm -hmm. we at scary peeper would never ever condone any type of violence <laughs> owners morgan and emily dotwin said in a statement emailed to the post our intention for this product was for it to be used as a fun spirited prank we offer our sincerest apologies to anyone who's been offended by our products and certainly to those who have been victimized by voyeurs. Violence towards women is a serious issue and our products are not intended to make light of serious crimes. Who thinks that pretend voyeurs are cool for Halloween? Who? Seriously, people need to stop being so offended by everything. These were just a few of the comments on our website after we post the story. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that there's like a regular peeper. We'd love to hear if you've gotten good results with your scary peeper. <laughs> but they have a clown version as well. Now they have a clown yeah, version. Yeah, of course they do. And of course, that's one of the things that people have been saying. Women turning around and seeing a clown looking through their window. Fuck that. And I mean, in Plano, that clown that's in the backyard why are you in the backyard yeah is it if you're just doing it for the thrill of the scare buddy no no that's that's trespassing my friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not that's not hiding out in the woods even that is i mean come on get with it i saw some pictures of them standing by the road which is creepy. I mean, I guess that could cause an accident, I suppose. But for 
for the most part. Or by a dumpster at 3.15 in the morning. I remember when the very first article came out, there was a picture that someone had taken from a car and it was just standing next to a dumpster holding a balloon, like real weird looking. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's weird because it's weird that you would just be there and you would be a clown. But I imagine that if you're like across from a nightclub or something, say in Deep Ellum, and you just go and stand next to one of those dumpsters out there by a parking lot. Yeah. If you want to take your life into your own hands <laughs> that you're not going to get raped or robbed there at that time of the night, it would be funny. I yeah. can see the humor in that. Yeah, I can too. Don't fuck I with me about that. the offering the candy to kids. That's that's where you start that, to cross the no, line. No, that's where you draw back a nub if I'm involved. <laughs> yeah. I'll start cutting body parts off. Right, hanging out in the woods and trying to lure kids. Or even these idiots who, like we said, are p- having a clown profile picture and sending messages to children and saying, I'm coming to your school to kill the teachers and kidnap you. Come on. I'm going to lick your butthole. <laughs> Come on. It's not okay. No, it's not okay. So bizarre, so bizarre that this this has this has swept the nation. But, this is what we're doing. But what has really cracked me up now is some of the vigilante type justice that's mm. going on around this, as this news report indicates. You can hear him crunching. You can hear you hear you can hear it when he was running. He was crunching from the view from his balcony. I mean, I wanted him. It was just a my adrenaline was pumping. To where it ended. And I'm running and chopping down trees trying to find him. <laughs> Equipped with his machete, Chris Bash had one thing in mind. I know all the kids are here and they're just, that's why I took it so serious because, you know, I know all the kids here. What started out as a normal day for Chris and his family soon changed when he looked out from his apartment balcony and saw this. It was a Halloween scary mask. He had on a yellow polka dot shirt and some blue inflatable Aladdin pants. In my 20 years, uh, I'm not familiar with a, a, uh, a spree of clown sightings, so this is unique, um, a little bizarre. Chris wasn't able to catch the clown, but called police who would canvass the wooded area behind the park at Old Oak Ridge Apartment Complex. But for police, they are being cautious at this point since a crime didn't happen, but offer this advice. If they see a clown and he appears to be acting erratic in a location where you <laughs> typically would not see a clown, you know, to use precautions. I mean, it's so sad, man. Halloween coming up. Just say it. Acting erratic Being in a location. Not not known for clowns. <laughs> Why has that guy not gotten the uh, the remix treatment yet? A little Antoine Dodson action. Chopping down trees. I love that. Chopping down trees. <laughs> you taking it serious. I was chopping down trees, chopping down trees. Hear the crunching, hear the crunching. Teen reports attack by knife wielding Yellow clown. polka dot shirt. And blue inflatable Aladdin pants. <laughs> serious or just a sick joke? What we know about cre- creepy clown reports in America. I'm getting real close to having a good Casey Kasem down. You're not far. Clowns in your basement? Do that. I didn't like the clown from American Horror Story. No, the serial killer Mm -mm. kidnapper clown. I like this, though. Yeah, that thing's real cool. Had you seen that before? Yeah, I had. 
I it popped up um, during so, this discussion of no. crazy clown shit. So two years ago on Halloween, we did a clown theme at our house, and uh, I was looking up. I was making a YouTube playlist as you do. As one would. Of clown music, and that was one of the images that popped up. Pretty much. I wouldn't play a clown mix in the boardroom at the Galvez. <laughs> no, don't mess with that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know, man. I never necessarily hated clowns, per se, I don't believe I ever saw it, so I didn't know anything about Pennywise. Right. I didn't like the clown from American Horror Story because, well, frankly, most things from American Horror Story just worry me, which I need to get on it. I know. <clears throat> I, I think I was looking the other day. That's it's a new one? Gotta be on demand. Anyway. I think it is. I want to keep up because... Invariably, the Halloween episodes in that one are always the best. Yeah. Sands the hotel. Because <laughs> crazy shit happens in that one. Was that not the serial killer episode? Here is a great line from a news story. Okay. Police are, quote, happy to report no suspicious or creepy clown activity here in Jersey. <laughs> it's a news story. But pretty soon it's going to be like clowns are going to be like Bigfoot. They've been spotted in every state except Hawaii. Right. <laughs> and I wonder if we could get ourselves like a missing 411 map. I don't know. With I, just all the creepy all the clown clowns. sightings pinned. And then we'll see if there's a cluster. I was going to say, I don't know, man. And if there's a cluster. I've seen, seen pictures of President Obama in Hawaii and he's the biggest clown of all. That's what I got to say about that. What are you doing? <laughs> why, why did you just turn into a Facebook meme? <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> president Obama vows not to leave office if Trump elected president. <laughs> you seen that one? Yeah. He's going to lock the door of the Oval Office. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, ain't, I ain't leaving. <laughs> Them crowns is, clowns is creepy. But yeah, lurking from the shadows. I think I'll stick to dressing up creepy at home and scaring people at my house. Yeah, your satanic black magic <laughs> bullshit costume. Speaking of, that gonna, thing conjures more images of the dark prince than anything I've it's seen. That'd be a good one. I'm really happy with that. That was like a, a $10 robe from Party City, and the thing really. It really ties the costume together, if you ask me. <laughs> Bringing it all back again. Yep. Oh, SputnikNews.com reports Second Amendment country. Tennessee sheriff warns scary clowns they may be shot. <laughs> I mean, that's fair warning. The Tennessee Highway Patrol is asking residents to watch for clowns trying to lure children into the woods. And requests that people report sightings after a string of bizarre clown encounters has frightened residents in several states. Creepy clown sightings began in South Carolina in August and have since spread to Georgia, North Carolina, Kentucky, Alabama, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and elsewhere. As elsewhere as anywhere besides the South, <laughs> as you will notice. Right. 
Last Monday, a teen in Somerville, Tennessee, reported that he was assaulted by a man with a knife who was dressed in a red hoodie and a clown mask. Quote, You had to be an absolute idiot to dress up like a scary clown and run around Gundy County scaring people, Gundy County Sheriff Clint Shroom said. If you are thinking about doing this, you better think again. If you have done this, don't call the sheriff's office when you scare someone and they snatch your clown hind end. <laughs> that is an official post. Yeah. Well, how do you like this bit of... I'm a Second Amendment sheriff. If someone oh. wants to be ignorant and run around dressed like a clown to scare people, they stand a chance of getting hurt or killed. They take their life into their own hands. And that's what I'm afraid of. If you're going to dress up like a clown and do stupid shit, stupid things are going to happen to you. <laughs> How do you like this bit of editorializing from Christopher Nako, the sheriff of Pasco County, Florida? Our citizens are frustrated with everything going on in society, and this is another issue to address. <laughs> what do you think he means by that? We're disturbed by all kinds of things, <laughs> but I'm especially deserved by clowns. <laughs> Don't come around here, buddy. Don't you come around here. I wish I want some of this audio. <clears throat> There's got to be, <laughs> there's got to be official audio of clowns, right? I do think that you look pretty rad when that is the way that you oh, know yeah. when you're arrested. That's what the picture looks like. That's your that's your cops photo. <laughs> Children reported spotting multiple clowns creeping in the woods and showing them quote large amounts of money. That's weird. <laughs> And the Georgia man lies about being shot by clowns. That's two weeks ago. Oh, read the story about the creepy clowns have real clowns seeing red. Oh, this one? Yes. There's some great quotes in that <clears> one. <throat> This is from Randy Christensen, World Clown Association president. Just as a haunted house event may have a, quote, doctor wearing surgical gear, carrying a bloody chainsaw, people need to understand that this character is not a real doctor. In the same way, hmm. people dressed as horror clowns are not, quote, real clowns. They are taking something innocent and wholesome and perverting it to create fear in their audience. This. Butler County Sheriff Richard K. Jones tweeted a photo of three big-shoed companions saying, this is what law-abiding clowns look like. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I want to hear more 911 calls. I do too. I just answered a survey by clicking the first two things that I noticed to get this video to play. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know what the questions were? Sure. How often do you exercise? I answered almost never. Do you consider yourself a fitness enthusiast? Yes. 
Stranger danger. <laughs> they were staying the kids that they would give them the things if they came in Dale. <laughs> Jesus. Besides this child's horrible accent, there are other terrifying things in the story. <clears throat> I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the people. Come on. All of the people. Get it together. Pull your sh together, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to do one more thing before we exit. We got to do the... We got to do the... Uh, uh, what's the name of our show? Okay, talk. And how could I email us? Okay, talk podcast at gmail.com. That is our email address. You may send us an, an electronic mailing, and we will respond in similar fashion. So, a couple of things. The, <clears throat> I think we'll just do these in order of their appearance. <clears throat> Craig Woolheater was supposed to do a drive-by, but he decided against it. He's dressing up in the clown suit and um, walking through Plano at the moment. Looks like there's still a couple of VIP packages left. The Texas Bigfoot Conference, excuse me, the original Texas Bigfoot Conference will be held October 14th through the 16th. This is the official Texas Bigfoot weekend as proclaimed by the mayor of Jefferson in 20 in 2005. There you have it, people. Um The confirmed speakers for the event are Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Adam Davies, Ken Gerhart, Chester Moore, Nick Redfern, Ashen Brown, and Lyle Blackburn. Uh, let's see. There's a meet and greet, some food at Don Juan's, presentation of Adam Davies in search of the Yeti. That's only available via the VIP package, which it says is sold out. So tough shit for that. Um, Saturday, Ken Gerhart, Nick Redfern, Ashlyn Brown, Chester Moore. Lyle Blackburn, Brake, Jeff Meldrum, Adam Davies, Wild Men of the World. And there's a meet and greet. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is all a terrible read. I'm just <laughs> looking at the... Just reading off of a website. Anyway, <clears throat> the Texas Bigfoot Conference, come to it, go to it, get with it. 14th through the 16th. That's coming up soon as of the posting of this podcast. Yes. Two weeks. 
You may be able to see one or both of us there. You may. We've not officially, officially, officially decided to announce whether or not we're both <laughs> going to be there. But more details. <laughs> details forthcoming. On that. But seriously, obviously, if you're in the area, and I know many of you are, come on and check it out. Also, I wanted to tell you that the following weekend, right, October 21st through the 22nd? Yes. Is the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference, which will be held at the Bitterroot River Inn and Conference Center in Hamilton, Montana. Featuring, I don't know how he gets around like this, but Dr. Jeff Meldrum, <laughs> Bob Gimlin, Kathy Strain, our friend John Mayanzinski, Tom Yamarone, and a few others really enjoy having enjoyed meet Sarah over there at the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference. Sarah will be in touch. Mm. We got to get her the thing we talked about. Yeah. And then finally, the greatness, another place where you may be able to see us and hear more about us, which is really what's most important. It's all you care about, people. The uh, Sasquatch Summit is 47 days away, folks. 47 days away. It will be held November 18th and 19th in the year 2016. Shockingly, Dr. Jeff Meldrum will be speaking there, <laughs> along with Cliff Bergman, Derek Randalls, David Ellis, Tom Baker, Tom Powell, Toby Johnson, Guy Edwards, Michael Townsend, Bob Gimlin, and David Pilates. We've spoken to a couple of those people. And this place is awesome. I'm sure some of you in the area have checked it out before, but it is at uh, the Quinault Resort Casino, which just is awesome. And there's another thing that we're working on, as I am working with the creators of the event, that possibly you can attend the event without attending the event. And I'll have a few more details on that coming up really soon as well. Also... Please, please, if you listen to us through iTunes, go to iTunes, rate and review the show. Can't stress it enough. Yeah. Tired of asking you people. Get your shit together and do it. Especially if you ever thought about doing it and have not yet done it, do it now as we are in October. It's critical time, folks. Yeah. If anyone's going to find our show organically... It's going to be this month. Censorship and indifference are knocking at our <laughs> studio door. Um, it's time, people. It is. Also, we've got a lot of lot of exciting things coming up. Some gear, possibly, that you could purchase mm -hmm. if you like things. And more. So, Go, go over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash OKTalkShow. You can take a look at our new logo. It is featured prominently. Uh, there is a post, a uh, couple of posts down where uh, we 
you know, it, it alerted you that we changed our profile picture. So go on there and leave a comment about it. Tell us how awesome, not just us, tell Dan, who so nicely made it for us, let him know what you think about it. We think it's pretty cool. So go have a look at that. Go over to twitter.com slash Show and send us a message there. And again, oktalkpodcast at gmail.com and oktalkshow.com. Yep. It's going to be a busy month. I think so. It's a month of haunting. We should see about hitting up some of those Dallas locations. Among others. Sons of Herman Hall. Yeah. Do. do you still have a contact over there? Oh, yeah. Got contacts everywhere, baby. <laughs> if we can get in there for a few hours one night. Yeah, I don't think that'd be a problem. We should. We should. Maybe when it's not busy down there, a week, a week night, perhaps. Just so much. So much. I'm really got a couple of days here to like take a little bit of a breath. And then it's just one thing after the other. So, as I complain to you about my busy life, please go online and check out these various and sundry conferences of which we've spoken. If you're in the area, hopefully we'll see you there. I'm not going to be able to make the big sky because of a previous commitment, but again, awesome people that run that. Awesome people speaking. Good times. Mm-hmm. Go America. Go. Say no to clowns. Say no to clowns. We're going to do. Oh, <laughs> I'll finish with my Bigfoot story I wanted to tell you. Oh, yes. That I was told the other day. <clears throat> it ties into a Bigfoot story that we've heard on this very program. And I'll let you figure out which one it is. Okay. But I was speaking with someone who is very. Famous the other day. It's not name dropping if you don't drop a name. It's the next best thing though. Anyway, I was speaking to somebody who knows some things. And she was relaying to me about how there is a lady. And you'll have to forgive me. I forget her name. But she's also quasi-prominent. An author. A known psychic. And she was making, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but you think about it. She was making these uh, headbands with crystals on them that sit on your chakra, sure, your third eye, for you to wear when you're meditating. That's right. Eastern bullshit. <laughs> I did not watch my buddies die face down in the muck so that you can, <laughs> sorry. Meditate. Anyway, this lady was saying that she was making these and she had all the materials laid out in these crystals on this table. She was in bed asleep 
really weird feeling woke her up. She got up, decided she'd go into the kitchen to get some water. And as she walked into the living room, there standing in her parlor was a Bigfoot. What? Checking out the crystals on the table, leaning over, looking at the pile of crystals. And she said she stood there a couple of seconds, and it turned and looked at her. Disappeared. Mm. I was then told, of course, she believes that they are interdimensional beings. Thankfully, that was thrown in as if. Yeah. But in The Witch Mother, what did Andrew say? He was in Arkansas digging for crystals. That's right. And right over there by a bed where the crystals are is a portal where they come through. Yeah. There's a link there. The link being crystals. (laughs) And interdimensional beings. That's interesting. I thought so, too. Yeah. I don't think we have any idea what's going on with these things. Bigfoot's a ghost. (laughs) Bigfoot, he died. I mean, it's entirely possible that these are different things. That the things that are in the wilderness around Devil's Creek are very much flesh and blood ape creatures that are out there pounding their chest and trying to mimic human speech. And then this other quote-unquote Bigfoot that's interested in crystals is something else entirely. There it is. I often have one-line conversations with Shannon Legro, mm-hmm. and many times she will just randomly text me photographs that people have sent her with red circles and trees <laughs> taken from a moving vehicle through a window. Right. How many Bigfoots do you see? Clearly. Clearly. Clearly evidence. It's cloaking itself right here. <laughs> and we just go back and forth with Obviously, what's your problem? Just why I tell her to wipe the screen off, like blow on it, wipe the screen off, and yeah. you'll be able to see it better. <laughs> and I think the other day we were having the discussion about how Bigfoots are just slaves for aliens put on this planet for that purpose. To gather crystals, perhaps? Well, because they've already mined all the gold. Mm, It's true. Especially now that Glenn Beck is hoarding it. (laughs) Check his compound. Check it. Anyway, thought it was appropriate. Thought it was appropriate. Clock Boy is suing Glenn Beck, by the way. He is. And Fox News. And Ben Ferguson. And Ben Ferguson. (laughs) Yeah. So apparently, wherever he comes up with that hair. Mr. Lego hair. Mr. Lego hair. (laughs) And his bucket of crap. Sorry. 
Love you, Ben. <clears throat> Come by and see me sometime. Tell us. Okay, talk.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.